calm in the epidemic. Trust triumphs over fear. This is the title of the uh, message I would like to share with you this morning on Psalm 91. We live days of anxiety and uncertainty. The whole world is in fear. Suddenly, we have become aware of the fragility of life. What will happen tomorrow? We look for the message of serenity and tranquility. But above all, we look for the message of hope. Because as a famous theologian, Emil Brunner said, hope is to human existence what oxygen is to the lungs. A crisis situation like the one we are experiencing shakes our philosophy of life and weakens our self-sufficiency, our pride. This forces us to seek refuge in secure values. In the financial world, people draw on gold when the stock market crashes. What is the equivalent of gold in our life? Where can we put our trust? This is the key question this morning. We as Christians believe that the gold, the secure value to turn to is faith. Faith in Christ. The Apostle Paul, referring to this reality, wrote, your faith is of greater worth, greater value than gold. Or as uh, Teresa of Avila, the great Spanish mystic said, if you have God, what are you lacking? What are you missing? And if you lack God, what do you have? Where to find hope? Where can we put our trust? Psalm 91 teaches us the path, the pathway that leads us to trust in a time of danger and crisis. This psalm is also called the triumphant, the triumphal hymn of trust. It is actually a jewel, a gem. It has brought encouragement and peace into the lives of million believers in the midst of trial. Interestingly, according to some commentators, the psalm was written in the midst of an epidemic of pestilence. The circumstances were similar to those we are experiencing today. Its message, therefore, is very relevant to our current situation. I would like to summarize the message of Psalm 91 in one sentence. Trust triumphs over fear. Trust triumphs over fear. The psalmist gives three key sentences that summarized the journey from anxiety, fear, to confidence, trust. First sentence or first word, 
my God. The psalmist explains what God is for him. Second sentence, he will deliver you. The psalmist explains what God does for him. And thirdly, he responds, I will trust his answer. So let's see each one of these three statements, these three words, which are the stages in our journey from anxiety, fear, into trust. First of all, my God, what God meant for the psalmist, what God is for me, the character of God. The psalm begins with a dazzling description of the character of God. Notice up to four different names are mentioned in the opening two verses to explain who and how God is. For the psalmist, God is the Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, Yahweh, and the sublime God, Elohim. Four words to describe his God. What a formidable entrance gate to trust. What a beginning of the journey. The awareness of God's greatness is the foundation of our trust. This is an important idea. The awareness of God's greatness is the foundation of our trust. We could paraphrase a popular proverb and say, tell me what your God is like, and I will tell you how your trust is like. In the hour of fear, the first step, therefore, is to lift up our eyes to heaven, look at God, and contemplate his greatness and sovereignty. By so doing, the psalmist experiences that God is, and notice now, his shelter, his shadow, his hope, and his fortress. Do you remember the previous? fourfold description the portrait of god in four dimensions now brings forth a quadruple a fourfold blessing there is a correlation which is an incredible privilege for us christians notice however that the psalmist refers to god as my god that little word my opens a unique perspective and changes many things. The God of the psalmist, this fourfold God, is a personal God, a close God, who intervenes in his life and cares about his fears and needs. We are here before one of the most distinctive features of the Christian faith. God is not only the Almighty, the creator of the universe, but also the intimate Father, the Abba, Dad, who loves me and guards me. This is our great privilege today also, not only for the psalmist. God takes care of us 
in the same way as a father does with his children. Because in Christ, we are adopted, fully adopted as children of God. Notice how the psalmist describes this experience with a beautiful, sensitive metaphor. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. So knowing how God really is, knowing God is indeed the starting point in the journey towards trust. But the great problem in our society, in our days, is that God is the great unknown. God, the great unknown to many. One of the features of postmodernity is the ignorance of God. Ignorance in the double sense of the word. Not knowing God and not wanting to know God. Double ignorance. Many people today reject God without knowing the least thing about him. In fact, what they reject is their idea of God, their own idea of God. A God who is merely the fruit of their imagination. This has actually been the experience of not a few illustrious atheists. Let me quote literally, I don't think God exists, but if he did exist, he would be my enemy said someone, told me in a personal conversation, someone who had not read a single page of the Bible in his life. This man was back from a journey that he hadn't even started. Knowing God is indeed the starting point in the journey towards trust. Now, the second sentence, the second stage in our journey. The psalmist says he will deliver you. We come here to the heart, the core of the psalm. God's protection in practice. First, what God is for me, and now this is followed naturally by what God does for me. What God is for me, and now what God does for me. The awareness of God's greatness must be followed by the awareness of God's providence. We are facing here a crucial, decisive point in the experience of faith. If we understand it well, this will be a source of peace in our life. But if we misunderstand it, we can fall into mistakes and danger extremes or feel frustrated with God. This is why we need to consider in some detail a unique aspect of this psalm. Which one? It is very significant that Satan, the devil, tempted Jesus with a double quote from this psalm. The devil said, 
for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against stone. Matthew chapter 4 verse 6, also quoted in Luke. The devil tries to manipulate with the psalm. Important practical warning here. Misusing, misusing the promises of divine protection is a temptation also today. We have to beware of what we could call super spirituality or super faith. It can be a subtle way of tempting God as Jesus' forceful response to Satan teaches us. Jesus replied to Satan, you will not tempt the Lord your God. An important principle, a practical principle here, trusting God does not exempt, deliver us from acting responsibly and wisely. Trusting God does not exempt us from acting responsibly and wisely. Now, having said that, we cannot minimize the mighty protection of God on those who trust him, the subject, the issue of the psalm. Verses 14 and 15, we've read, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Now, this, does this mean that the gospel Christian faith is an all-risk insurance policy, a comprehensive insurance policy? Not at all. Here again, we could have a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation. Notice the key word to deliver. This is the key words. What does the sentence, God will deliver you, actually mean? Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts 7.10, because the same verb, the same expression, is used in Joseph's life. God delivered Joseph from all his tribulations. And you will say, that God delivered Joseph? How can that be? We see the patriarch had to go through many valleys of shadow and death. God did not spare Joseph the trial, but he rescued him from the trial. God did not spare him the trial, but he rescued him from the pit. As Spurgeon says, referring to his congregation in London, it is not possible, quote, it's not possible for those who are loved by God to be free from all evil. Spurgeon referred to the epidemics, the pestilence of cholera that decimated his church, his local church. Spurgeon knew very well what he was talking about. Because faith does not guarantee the absence of trial, but it does guarantee victory over trial. Again, this is an important idea in the psalm. 
Faith does not guarantee the absence of trial, but it does guarantee, it assures us victory over trial. The Apostle Paul develops this idea in a majestic way in that hymn in Romans 8, by the end of the hymn, verses 28 to 39, in all these things, through all these things, these trials, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Christ. So faith in Christ is not a vaccine against all evil, but a guarantee of total security. Faith in Christ is not a vaccine against all evil, but a guarantee of total security. The security that if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. So this psalm is not a promise of complete immunity, but a declaration of full trust. The trust in God's protection is expressed in three ways in this psalm. In every trial, God knows, God controls, and God cares for me. God knows, God controls, God cares. We don't have time to go into details. You will find this idea expanded in the little book I mentioned earlier, The Only Comfort in Life and Death. But I want to emphasize one idea. Nothing happens in the life of the children of God without his knowledge and his control. Chance is not the force that moves the world. In the believer's life, in our life, Nothing happens by chance. In our life, nothing happens by chance. The majestic providence of our personal God, the Abba we mentioned, shines brightly in the darkness. In the darkest moments, His light shines powerfully. Verse 7 of this psalm, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you if God has this purpose for you. Remember, this is not a vaccine against all danger. We certainly live in an evil world. We notice it everywhere and every time. We live in an evil world, but not in a world without control or constraint. The last word does not belong to the prince of this world, the devil. The last word in this world belongs to the king eternal, immortal, invisible. 1 Timothy 1.17 Nothing will happen to us if he does not allow it. These are not my words. Most remarkably, this is the promised, ratified by Jesus himself in the gospel. Let us remember it. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. What an encouraging promise. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And finally, the third stage in our journey. My answer, I will trust. After contemplating the character of God, what he is for me, for the psalmist, and then his providence, what he does for me in my life, now the psalmist exclaims firmly, my God, whom I will trust. This is a logical sequence. The order is a logical one. Trust is the answer to some evidence, to a previous evidence that is given to us. The psalmist has known God personally. Remember the first step. Has God known intimately? Notice verse 14. God says now, for he acknowledges my name. Such knowledge leads him to fall in love with him. He loves me, verse 14, to a close relationship with him. Here we have the core, the essence of Christian faith. Christian faith, it is a love relationship. It is the trust I put in the loved one the trust that springs from a love relationship. The certainty that the beloved will not fail me because God is faithful. We come to a close. My brothers and sisters, we live in a world that is shaking. The strength in which many people we could say contemporary man believed. They believed they were safe. This strength has turned into weakness. There are cracks in the rock and we feel vulnerable. But what a privilege to be certain that our life is not at the mercy of a virus, but our life is in the hands of the almighty God. Here lies the certainty of our faith and the foundation of the trust that overcomes all fear. There is no place for triumphalism, but there is certainly triumph. It is the triumph that Christ assured us with his victory over evil and the evil one on the cross. Trust triumphs over fear because Jesus triumphed over evil and the evil one. It is the same Christ whose last words on earth were, I am with you always, every day, to the end of the age. May God strengthen you and bless you, my brothers and sisters, here in the city of Cardiff.